Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Board Game Mechanics. I'm Katie, and with me, as always, is... Hey, everybody, what's going on? It is Jason. Sorry uh, that we missed you last week, but it just would have been a coughing, hacking mess. Yeah, I may still do that a little bit today, but we'll see. We'll see. We'll try to edit it out. Jason mostly just didn't want to do harder work at editing, so... (laughs) That's true. Sheer laziness is why we didn't have a podcast last week. Exactly. But we are back, and we're going to dive right in, really, to games. Normally, I've got news updates and those kind of things, but there is so much to talk about with us each giving 10 games um, that we don't want to make the episode too long again for Jason to edit. So it's, again, pure laziness. What am again, I saying? Yeah, it's, it's always laziness. That, that's what it boils down to every single time. Yep, that's it. However, I do want to give a shout out, fickle favorite for this week, our dear friend Fred, who sent us some hot sauce of, that he is homemade. I We haven't tried it yet, but I cannot wait. I've been thinking of recipes to use it on, Fred. So thank you so much. I just kind of want to stick a chip in it and see what it tastes like, because I'm, I'm curious. I'm not going to stop him. <laughs> it, it looks good. It, lo- it looks hot. It's like dark red. It looks hot. So we'll see. It. It does. It does. I wasn't willing to try it today because I just had like a bunch of like kimchi today. I feel like my stomach can only cover from so much like red pepper paste before I jump into some other spicy thing. That's true. Maybe maybe give it a day. Yeah, but we're going to try it. Thank you so much for thinking of us. Um, members of the riveted, what, riveteers, rivetarians, I forget what we're calling. <laughs> I don't know. Whatever you want to call it. Whatever. Members of the riveted, but you guys are awesome. So thoughtful. Um, thinking of us and, and sending us stuff. And I really, I really appreciate that. So thank you guys so much. So, uh, instead of news, which I guess Fred is the fickle favorite is news. We're going to talk about games played kind of. Yeah. So, um, two weekends ago, I think, I don't know. The timeline's kind of a blur cause we were sick. Um, Kim, who used to do some videos on this channel and now does her own thing on her own channel, has a gaming day that she likes to call Nerdapalooza. And we were there. And another Rivetarian, Mike, was there. <laughs> um, our buddy Chris was there. Uh, Katie's sister-in-law was there. Brandon was there. Brandon and his wife were there. Mm-hmm. And then some other people that, like, we know them, but we didn't play games with them this time, so... I don't want to miss anybody, so I'll just leave it at that. And Kim and Jim, they were both there. We did play games with at least Jim. Um, And we played a pile of games. Um, We played some games together. We played some games apart. But we're going to talk about three games that we did play together, also with Mike Picorni. So we're going to give some games played with Mr. Mike on this episode. Yeah, we're hoping to convince Kim to let us change the name from Nerdapalooza to... Maybe Nerdapalooza slash BGM Con or something. Nerd BGM Con. Nerd Mechanics. I don't know. <laughs> I don't think that's going to fly, but yeah. Riveted Nerds. Riveted Palooza. I don't know. But if we get enough people there from the Riveted, then maybe, maybe that, she'll let us change the name. That's true. That is true. We'll see. All right. So the first game that we want to talk about, we didn't necessarily play these in order, but this is just one of the games that we played. And it was me, Katie, and Mike. And this game is called Fickle. So this game is essentially, I don't know. I don't even know how to explain it. It's a card game, a little 
Mm-hmm. You're getting three cards each turn. And what you're trying to do is you're trying to collect different sets of these fairies. And I think there's five different colors or six different colors, depending on what you play. And each one is going to score a different way. So if you have one of a set, you're going to score that amount. If you have two, you score zero. If you have three or more, you score the highest card, the lowest card. And if you have four or five, you score negative points or something like that. It's a really weird scoring system. But the way that the game works is you're going to get dealt three cards. You're going to put those three cards in an order. So I may look at the cards and I'll put the one that on top that I want, one in the middle, one in the bottom. And then depending on the round, we're either going to pass to the right or to the left. And then that player, when they get the cards, they have to look at the top card and decide if they want it. If they want it, they keep it. If they don't, they discard it, look at the next card. So it's like a press, it's a pressure luck mechanic within this inverse set collection game. Right. But if yeah, if you don't keep the first two cards, you got to keep the third card and it might be terrible. So you're kind of playing games with people thinking maybe there'll be a good card on the bottom, sometimes the good cards on the top. It's it's fun. It's a cool game. It has really nice art. Uh, it's pretty quick. I'm not necessarily sure if I'm good at it or if I like it, but I enjoy playing it. So, <laughs> so what did you think about this one? Um, I liked it because I was good at it. <laughs> but um, to be fair, I like this. So I, I looked it up in BGG to say what would they call it. And they call it an inverse set collection, um, which I think is interesting. That but is interesting. you're. Yeah, you're really managing your hand. You're doing some pusher luck. You want, in my mind, all the like five suits of fairies because one is going to score you points. Right. And so when you go to play your card, um, you know it's not it's not only oh I want to take this card because I want this fairy, but they each have a power. And do I want to end up moving a fairy from my set, my tableau into somebody else's? Do I want to end up stealing a better numbered card? Do I want, and and the different suits, there's 22, um, so there's 22 suits, including the box, and you pick five. And you really only deal with three cards at a time in the rounds. Like, I just think it's so simple. There's this really pretty um, kind of turn order, like, board. The rest is cards. So... You use that board then to go back and forth to determine um, first player, to determine how the cards are being passed. It's simple, but there's also difficult choices, which is something that I really love. And I was really good at it. So uh, I think I won both games that we played of it. Yeah, I, I didn't win, but I still liked it. It's fun. It's a really different game for sure. The way the scoring works is crazy. So yeah, if you can get one of all five cards, you're in business, but... That's really hard because people see what you have and they're not going to let that happen. But. Right, right. So so then, the, yeah, there's open this open knowledge, but also it's like, how do I get them then to pick this card that I think is going to wreck them? Or how can the cards, or I'm just going to go with the cards that I have and hope that I can, you know, foil their plans. Um, I just think that that's, that's really cool. There's even the suit we played with once where you, if you get a whole bunch of them, the negative points turn to positive. Um, so then there's that more that pusher luck. Can I get this to happen? Can I shoot the moon? And the artwork is so pretty. I really enjoyed this. Um, if it weren't so expensive, I totally would own this, I believe. Yeah, it's a little pricey for what it is, I think, but it was fun. I, I did like it. I just, it's not my favorite game that we played. And I think the next one that we're going to talk about may be one of my favorites that we played there. And it's just a tiny little card game. And we liked it so much that we did pick up this one. It was $10 and it's called Grim, a card game. 
And this, very descriptive, this title. Very descriptive. <laughs> and this literally is one of the easiest games you'll you'll play and teach. You what you're trying but to hard. But really hard. It's a, it's hard to get good cards, yes. Um so the way this game works is you're trying to acquire different cards from like the Grim Fairy Tale. So you might be trying to get gold, a dragon, uh Hansel and Gretel, maybe you get the witch, um, a whole bunch of different kinds of cards. The, the seven dwarves. Yeah, you're really trying to get any cards that'll give you points yes. is the issue. Because some cards will be negative if you get them by themselves, but if they pair with other things, they'll be worth points. And the way that that works is through this really cool simultaneous bidding. Everybody has the same cards. You're going to have a zero through an eight, and there's also a cat. And on your turn, you're going to pick one of those cards, and everybody's going to reveal at the same time. If anybody played the cat before everybody reveals, they'll pick another card, and it'll basically add the three from the cat plus another. Whoever bids the highest is going to get the pick of the card that's up for auction that round. And I think there's four rows, seven cards. There's 28 auctions. Uh, Yeah, seven cards in a row, four columns of cards. So 28 auctions. And you're just trying to get the most points. It sounds easy, but if there's ties, no one wins the card and it moves up to the next auction. So when you get to card three in the next column, if there was a card that wasn't won in the column three in the first row... It's going to be piled on top of that and try to get more cards. It's it's really fun. I am awful. The first game I got 10 points. The second <laughs> game I did worse. I am so, so bad at this. But even Really, really bad. Even in spite of all that, I still thought it was a great game. It was really fun. Um, you get really irritated with people because they're... You know, there's no reason they should play that card, but they play it when you play it and it just causes a whole kerfuffle. But it's really good, so... Yeah, I like this one. What did you think about Grimm? I really like this one. And we like this one so much that we actually bought a copy. I, again, just like Fickle, I love little card games. I love little card games that push you um, to make good, difficult decisions. But at their heart, it's a card game. So really, you can only like play a card, take a card. Like There's basic actions. And I, I really love that. Um I am really good at this game while Jason was really bad. Like I probably scored, I scored the first game, I don't know, 10 more, no, double everybody else. And then the last game, I think it was 10 more or something. Um, because it's got, it, it had, um, the bidding reminds me a little bit of Campy Creatures where everyone has the same cards, but uh, those cards, they have the number and then some of them have special powers. So you have a stepsister. She might be negated by the dove if someone plays that. The dove is normally worth zero, is a zero. But it, if the stepsister's out, oh, it becomes an eight. So then that could cause you to win. Yeah. But then it's like, ooh, you have to think, are they going to play a stepsister now so I can get the eight? Um, and you could only play your cat and mouse card, which is a three normally by itself, once during a whole game. So when you use that, instead of otherwise, it's normally once per round, you can play these cards. So deciding when to use that, when's the most prudent, what, what win is going to make it for you. There are some negative cards, how you use those, how you counteract those. Can you get, you know, the witch with Hansel and Gretel to give you a buttload of points? Or if you can't do that, can you get Rumpelstiltskin to turn the witch into gold? I mean, there's just some really... Uh, like unique ways to play this, like from basic card play and trying to kind of outthink your opponents and see how the bidding goes and watch what people are collecting. 
I it's it's really fun. It's simple and yet challenging. And again, multiple paths to victory, which you know I love. So yeah, it's it's super good. I really liked Grim. Yeah, if you want to see this game in action, I did a video for it when we got it. And just to tell you how bad I am at this game, I was actually playing as one of the hands, and I shuffled up the cards for the opponent, and I just flipped the top one when I'd pick a card. I played two full rounds. I won two cards out of 14, playing against a <laughs> random deck. It was bad. It was embarrassing. Like, the cat, I just kept their cat at the bottom because I didn't want to have to go into that. So the two cards I won was because I played the cat on round two. Oh my god! It was bad. It was awful. I, I'd play the I played the stepsister or whatever it is. Then what do you know? The card they flip over is a stupid um, <laughs> dove. dove, and they beat me. It's like what the crap is going on? I hate this. <laughs> yeah, it's it's really fun. If you want to check it out, there's a video. I don't know who knows about this game. If anybody knows about it, but I'm glad we got to play it, and I'm glad we have it because it's good. It is good. I liked it a lot. All right, so the last game we're going to talk about, but not the last game we played, is actually the first game we played when we got there, and it's called Guar versus Time. And Mike wanted to play this. He's a, a big Bohab, big Guar fan. <laughs> and um, so we played it. It was me, Katie, Mike, and Katie's sister-in-law, Amber. And this is basically a deck builder. We've talked about it before. I've done a video, but we haven't played it for a while, and I think we had a better experience this time. So... The way this game works is normal deck builder stuff. You're going to use your cards to acquire other cards into your hands. But this one's a little different because at the beginning of your turn, you're going to call out a suit, which is basically a color of a card. And anybody else that has that suit in their hand can play a card down and draw a new card. It's basically going to allow them to play more cards on their turn to give them more opportunities to do some things. And you're trying to buy cards into your deck. You're trying to defeat uh, baddies that are in another section of the, the row. And you're trying to score the most points before you run out of time. And the way you run out of time is by acquiring Guar cards or when the Gathering of the Souls or the Penguin Attack cards come out. It's going to cause the timeline to speed up. So you're racing against the game to have more points than everybody else. Um, yeah, I liked it a thousand times better this time. I don't know why. It just felt smoother and felt more fun this time. Maybe because Mike was more into the theme. I don't know. But yeah, I liked it. So what did you think about Guar this time? Um, it, it was better. So I have no connection to the theme. I know one song from Guar, and because it's in one of my favorite movies, Empire Records. You know more so than Sada that, because I've played you some. Okay, so now I'm going to go with Meat Sandwich. There's only two that I can name off the top of my head. Um, There's the other I, ones, but this is a PG podcast, so we'll just leave those <laughs> off. I don't remember what the other one's called. <laughs> um but those are the two I can remember, right? And I don't remember their names. I make them up every time, like Odious Mundungus, which is not right. Um, <laughs> Mundungus, like Harry Potter. <laughs> I don't know. It just seems to go with that. Uh, so I, I don't know any of the, the names of the people in there, in the bands. They wear a lot of cod pieces from what I can tell on the video in Empire Records. However, I love deck builders. So... I think it does some interesting things and you're trying to balance choosing violence to defeat certain um, cards over choosing cards that allow you to have more buying power to buy better cards. Yeah, it's conquest so, is buying power. Conquest, whatever. There's just an interesting mechanic to that and um, maybe some different cards than I've seen in a lot of other regular deck builders I play. 
So I like that. I felt like the synergy of the cards worked better. I don't know if it's because it was at a higher player count. Maybe we played it at four last time. Yeah, we played it at four last time. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know why it just worked better this time. I still don't get anything about the theme. If I did, I'd probably be more into it. Um, But it does do that neat thing where before you start your turn, you pick a suit of the first card you play. So then there's ways to get more cards out. So by the end, you're having like these big epic turns, which I love. And that allows cards to like fire off each other, which I think is what's good about like a successful deck builder. I'm a little salty that I lost to Mike by like six points um, or so, but I guess my pride will recover. He's a true Groar fan. I guess he deserves the win. Yeah, I thought I was doing better at this one, but I did not win. <laughs> I thought I was doing better, but I got third. <laughs> yeah, it happens. Yeah, I, I'm i glad that we didn't trade this off after the first time we played it and I made the video um, because it was definitely better this time. The only issue with yeah. this game is it has to be three or more. I don't know why you can't play it at two, but I think the chaining would just not be as good. That's probably That's it. That's true. Yeah, but uh, yeah, it was, it was better this time. It made me think that if someone else especially if someone's really into guar then i would be happy to play this with them since i had a much better experience and and i think it would make them happy so yeah that's i i did like it for that reason right so i just want to give a quick recap of all the other games that i played i we played belgian beer race um we i also played new salem twice in the year of the dragon deep vince twice um i think that's it that sounds it. And then you you played some stuff too, right? Yeah, I played, I'm trying to think. I played um, Picture Perfect again because I had some people that really, really wanted to play that, which was nice. Um, I played, oh, we played uh, Into the Echo Side also. Oh, yeah, and Illimat. I forgot about Illimat. And Illimat. And I played Castles of Mad King Ludwig. Oh, yeah, right, right, right. As well. So those are just, the, I just played a few other games. Yeah, there were lots, lots of other people playing. Somebody played like an eight-hour game of Western Legends. Because um, they played it like six or something insane. Yeah. There was some Marvel United. There were some Undaunted, Dwellings of Eldervale. Um, and I'm not sure what else went down, but those are all the ones I can remember. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was a good time. So yeah, Nerdapalooza is a hit. and We can't wait till next year. All right, so we got some games played. We did a little fickle favorite, so not our complete usual intro to the podcast, but we're going to head into our feature because we are still trekking on our top 100 games of all time. And this week, we are hitting 70 through 61, despite what our outline says. Oh, yeah, I went the wrong way. Yeah, uh, no one had to know Wait to... Way to say that for everybody. You can edit it out if you want to. It's not my deal. You know I'm not going to. Okay. So we're doing uh, 70 to 61. If you're interested in what came before this, check out the last couple episodes of our podcast. If you're interested in what is outside our top 100, say our top 200, we've been doing some videos of that. If you don't catch us on Facebook Live, um, Jason has been putting them onto YouTube so you can watch them there. We are up to our 160s there, I think, as well. Yeah, I think so. Something like that. Those are just kind of whenever we feel like it. We'll hop on, do a video. Mostly whenever I feel like I don't look completely hideous 
and need to wear a paper bag over my head, I will do a video with Jason um, where we count down our games. So keep looking for those. If you're not part of our Facebook page, um, make sure that you like and subscribe and click on the little bell so that you can get notifications when those go on to YouTube. So you can be a part of that discussion as well. All right, so we're gonna start with our number 70s and see our number 70s. <laughs> our number 70 and see where we end up today at 61. So Jace. Technically it is both of our number 70s. So you are right, kind of. My number 70 is a game that I feel like we've talked about before on either the Facebook Lives or your list previously. I don't know. It just it's a lot of games that we've been talking about. So it all runs. <laughs> it together. was I think it was on my top 100 list. All right, and that game is called Abyss. So, like Katie mentioned before, this is a it's got some pressure luck stuff in it where you're trying to do this set collection of collecting these different suits of cards to ultimately be able to trade them in to recruit like a big dog of that color. And when you recruit a big dog, it's also going to give you like maybe a possible key to these different locations. It may let you fight some baddie of this like underwater creature thing. There's a lot going on. It's really not hard to play, but it's hard to explain kind of what it is, but if you like push your luck, it has some of that. If you like set collection, it has some of that. Um, and it just looks nice. It has really nice art, really nice components, and I enjoy playing it. So my number 70, Abyss. Yeah, this is my list um, last episode, and I mentioned that the arc is good, except for the box art is very deceptive. Um, and actually, one of our, our Riveted members, Jack, was saying that there are many box arts but they all are equally menacing so still a good game though misleading box um speaking of boxes my number 70 is a game about boxes and i think this was outside of your top 100 yes it was on one of the videos which is sad because i think this game is so good even if it's a little meta and that game is shelfie stacker so in shelfie stacker you are drafting these shipments of boxes of games and then you're going to organize your game shells and you organize them almost in like um like a sagrada azul type way once a row has a certain color that row of shelving is all that color and you place the number of games in ascending order so like it's the they almost look like dies like little like a little die that has one box, two boxes, up to six. Other neat thing about this is how you choose your drafting order. So everyone has the same cards, and they're all these like types of gamers, which I love. They have different numbers. The higher the number, the sooner, the earlier you go in the draft. But sometimes the number doesn't matter because the power on the card is maybe what you're really looking for. Because once you have a card, have played a card out in front of you for drafting turn order, you now have that power, that ability available to you to use at any point, which I think is awesome. And it allows you to break the rules of, you know, moving games around. If some don't fit in the, the current scheme, you can have them on your, your shelf of shame and you can use powers to manipulate those, move them off there get them into a better place to be used. It's really fun. I really like this game. I'd like to play it more. I just think it's it's got cute artwork 
And I like that drafting, arranging kind of mechanism. So my number 70, Shelfie Stacker. Yeah, this is good. It was on, I think, the last video that we did. I like it. I just don't think I like it as much as you. It is fun. I, I would rather play it over Sagrada any day for sure. But Oh, yeah. yeah. All right. So my number 69 is a worker placement game that we have everything for, including a little promo character. And it is called Champions of Midgard. Uh, we have the base game, both the expansions, the playmat, uh, the Jason Levine promo card. Um, and this is effectively a worker placement game where you're going to locations to collect like resources and food and stuff to send your Vikings, I almost said pirates, your Vikings <laughs> out on these boats to fight some baddies in the sea. You may go into the mountains to fight some droggers. You may fight the troll. Um, there's just lots of stuff that you can do with your Vikings. And if they die, you get like soul tokens that you can cash in for special abilities and powers. There's so many different dice that represent different types of workers. Um, it's just a bunch of stuff going on. And if it, it kind of has a feeling of like Lords of Waterdeep, but it adds in some dice to make it a little more random and maybe a little more gamery. So I think I might like this better than Lords of Waterdeep. I don't want to say that for sure because I don't know what happens, but um, I know that I've played this more recently than Lords of Waterdeep, and I really liked it, so I'll just stick with that. So my number 69 is Champions of Midgard. I didn't, I mean, I knew we had a lot of stuff for it. I didn't realize we had everything. I mean, there might be some promos we don't have, but of all the actual game stuff, we have all the game stuff. Yeah, I talked about this um, like two episodes ago. It's good. I like it. My number 69 is a Feld, and it might be my least favorite Feld. I'm not sure. You're so wrong here. That is my least favorite film? No, that it's this low. No, uh, well, I'll explain it. So the game is Bonfire. So this is a newer game um, with a lot going on. So like the weird theme is that you're these gnomes that are going to relight these mystical bonfires or whatever. The theme's stupid. Who cares about that? Um, so you're like getting, you're laying things on your board to get action tiles that allow you to do stuff. And so the more action tiles you have of a specific kind, the more you can do in the action. So you can move a ship around to these islands to, like, do a task and spend resources there. You can bring these, like, little totem thing. I don't know what they're called. Onto your board. You can get, move them, I guess they're guardians, like, through your city because you're trying to get stuff and you want to get them in certain places to line up. You're doing some landscape tiles to the city. You're going to get recruit gnomes that give you special abilities of victory points, which is have very often. You're trying to get these portals. Um, there's a lot of stuff. There's a limited number of turns, which is what makes this game super brutal because this game is brutal. Legitimately, this game is brutal. Um, you want to do everything. You absolutely can't... Um, I haven't figured out the best, what I need to be doing, or then I think I figured out, and then I still can't do it. Like, <laughs> um, the artwork is cool. It is challenging, which is why, you know, even for not liking it, it's still high on my list. Um, there are just other felds that I think I like better. And I, oh yeah, there's at least one feld I know it's in my top 10 almost always. And, this one is just, I think it's it's too rough on the player or something, or 
I'm not smart enough to get this. I, I just don't like it as well as the other ones. It's still a good game, good, challenging, very interesting. Um, there's these cute little like gnome guys that look like little Yodas. I mean, how can you say no to that? So I, it's good, but it's only my number 69. So that's Bonfire. Yeah, I'll be talking about this in uh, four, more, four or five more weeks. Um, this is like, that was a Jason explaining actually a Bonfire. I did a terrible job. Well, it's not going to get any better when I explain it. Uh, <laughs> I like this one a lot more than you. I'm not going to say yeah. where it is on my list because that would spoil, but it's definitely higher than 69. Mm. Um, so my 68 is actually a game that I've played twice. Well, twice with people, a lot of times by myself. And all that being said, I'm going to do a terrible job explaining it because I haven't played it in a while. And my number 68 is Lagranha or however you say it. I can't help you because I've never played it. Yeah, that's true. And so this is effectively a farming game. But the way that this one works is you're going to have all these different cards that you're going to be playing throughout the game that can be used in multiple different ways. So each of the cards can be used in four different ways. There's at the top of the card can be used as a wheelbarrow, which will be goods that you're trying to produce to take to the market. So you need to produce them from somewhere on your board to get them to the wheelbarrow. The right side of the card will be like pigs. I think there's just pigs, maybe um goats or something like that to help you produce pigs and do some more shipping um the bottom part of your card is going to give you a special ability if you tuck it in the bottom of your player board and the left side of the card is going to give you a different field so maybe grapes wheat and i think there's olives that you can grow and what you're trying to do is you're trying to manipulate all these different fields to produce different types of goods to get them on your wheelbarrow to go set up a stall in the market, which is the main board, you're going to put like a little disc in there to say that your market to score points. There's a little area control that you're trying to do up there. You're trying to bump other people's market stalls out if you make a market that's worth more points. Um, and you're just trying to get the most points. And the way the game works to get all that done is through some dice drafting, kind of like um, Grand Ostrich Hotel or Ispahan. There you're going to roll the dice. They're going to have values and whatever actions come up are the actions that you can take. So if there's a four and that lets me produce pigs, I can take the four, put it on my board. I can produce pigs and that kind of thing. And you're going to play over so many rounds and then whoever has the most points is the winner. There's a little bit more to it than that. It's a pretty heavy game, but the crux of it is drafting the cards and using, drafting the dice and using the cards in all the different ways. I'd like to play it more. I need to understand it a little bit better so I can explain it better and maybe play it. But just knowing what I know about it and the few times I've played it, I really like it. So my number 68, Lagranha. Yeah, you keep telling me, oh, I think you'd like the Granha. We have not played it together. No, I think I've played with Brandon twice, and then all the other ones I've just played solo. Mm, never with me. My number 68 is a game that Jason does like, so I'm assuming it'll come up later in his list. Yeah, it, it, it's it's a little bit higher. But that is Zolkin the Mayan Calendar. So Zolkin looks good even on the table without playing the game. It has all these cool interlocking wheels. And so in Zulkan, you're either putting down a worker on the lowest spot on the gear that's visible, or you're picking up a worker. So when you place them, you got to cornish your currency, um, and you're using it to, as like a placeholder almost to say, later when I come back for this worker, and you take them, you can perform an action depending on where it is, where the worker is. So often the actions that are located like later on the gears, like further up, as they turn, are better. So it's like this fine of, like this this kind of fine dance of 
how long do I leave that worker there until what I want? But I can't skip my turn. Um, so maybe if the gears haven't turned enough or I don't have anybody to place, um, that's kind of a, like a, a... It's that tense dance of, ooh, am I, am I going to take it now? Take it back later. Like, what do I really need to happen? And there's other things that are happening on there, not just getting resources even from these wheels you're also moving up these different like i don't know temple type things which allow you to gain different sources and do different things i've seen people who have gone all out and painted their wheels they look awesome we do not do that because that is not one of our talents but the game is still fun still challenging but also um not not brutally punishing. You always want to do more than you actually can, but you're just not not going to be able to do it. And it's it's great while you're watching other people, where they're going, what spots are they leaving open for you, how far they how far they're turning the wheels. The gears could be a gimmicky thing, but they don't feel gimmicky because they're so integrated in the theme of this game. So it it's fun. It's really fun. I did not like its successor, but I really like Zulkin. So that's my number 68. Yeah, I like Zulkin. It's definitely up higher on my list. Um, I don't know that for sure, but if it's not, it's an oversight on my part. Wouldn't be the first time on this list. Yeah, fake news. Uh, my number 67 is a game that I don't know when the last time we played this was, but it, it hasn't been that that long ago. No, it wasn't too long. And no. this game is from Queen, and it's called Thebes. So what you're doing in this game is you're basically an archaeologist. Like, I don't know, I want to say you're like Indiana Jones, but you're like a real archaeologist. You're going around collecting knowledge, assistance, all that kind of thing to go to these dig sites to try to dig up artifacts. And the way that you do that is you're going to be spending time. So this is one of those games where whoever's in last place gets to go first. So the more time you spend, it's going to put you up in, in front of everybody and you're going to be waiting a while to take your turn. But when you go to a dig site, the more time you spend, the better luck, in theory with quotes, that you're going to have getting different artifacts out of the bag, hopefully. Because there's a lot of dirt. As people take artifacts, the dirt stays in there. The artifacts become less. You have less probability of getting some stuff. It's a a pretty straightforward game. Um, Some set collection. Some digging for artifacts. Has a lot of beige and I like it. So my number 67, Thebes. I like this game. I like this game probably a whole episode more than you. Um, My number 67 is a game that I actually think... is probably higher on Jason's list because this is one of the few mean, brutal games he likes. Not only is it a Simon game, it's an Eric Lang game. Look at me. I knew two things. I knew both the publisher and the designer. Good job. Was I right? Yes, you are right. Okay. And I was right. That's amazing. So the game is The Godfather. Um, I think... It's got like a subtitle like Corleone's Empire or something, I think. Yes, uh, I'm using the box to sit my microphone on, so I can't tell you what that is right now. (laughs) I think that's right. So in The Godfather, you're running a mob family like you do. Um, You've got your kind of head family members. You've also got some thugs. They can do different things. Your family members are going to help you with area control. Your thugs are going to help you shake down some businesses, get some stuff you need. You need money laundering. You need some drugs. You need some uh, bootleg liquor, whatever. And you're using those things that you're shaking down from these different um, 
businesses to do contract fulfillment. You get paid for your contracts. You then have to take an action at a business to put the money in your suitcase for safekeeping. Only the money in your suitcase is what gets counted. Um, You can then use some of your contracts when you fulfill them to, you know, have a car bomb, chuck some people's bodies in the East River, float in the Hudson. It's great. The, the theme is great. It's mean, but because everyone's being mean and it goes with the theme, it's just fun and funny. Um, I'm terrible at area control. You all know that I don't like it. But there are other ways to win here that the area control is a nice bonus and something you want to get some of, but it doesn't feel it's not like the main thrust of the game. There's other things happening. Uh, this game is really good. So my number 67, The Godfather. Yeah, I I would assume it's higher on my list. I don't know that with 100% certainty, but I think I really do like this game if it's not higher up. Uh, okay, yes, it is. So moving on. Um, okay. <laughs> All right, so my number 66 is actually new hotness. So I'm, uh, you know, caught in the new on this one. And I'm, what? I'm sorry, yeah. So my number 66 is The Hunger. This is a game we picked up at, what, Gen Con, right? And it is effectively a deck building game where you're taking on the role of a vampire. You're moving around the town trying to, I guess you're not, yeah, I guess you are eating them. Eat villagers, um, fulfill contracts, do all that through so many rounds and make it back to the castle before the sun comes up. If you can't do that, then you will be burned up and you automatically lose. So um, the the interesting thing about this one is you're only drawing three cards on a turn. Other cards are going to let you draw, you know, some cards will let you draw additional cards. You may have some familiars out in front of you that will give you some special abilities. But there's a lot that you want to do and not a lot of cards each turn to let you do it. So um, you're trying to juggle how much you want to move, how much you want to hunt to get new cards into your deck and all that stuff. Because most of the cards you get into your deck suck they don't do anything else. They're just points through the game, but they clog up your deck. So you're trying to, you know, not just fill your belly with people, but you're also trying to get stuff that helps you move around. Uh, it's it's interesting. It's, it feels a little different than some of the other deck builders. It kind of feels like Clank a little bit, but it's still different enough that if you do like Clank, you could own both of these. So my number 66 is The Hunger. I like this. Um... Not as well as you. It'll come up on our videos, but not on the podcast. Oh, okay. That's cool. So my number 66 is a game that Jason actually hasn't played. Oh, yeah. That's like the one time you're probably going to get me. <laughs> it is. Because otherwise, we I, he's played all the games I've played, and I have played half of the games he's played. <laughs> yeah. But he doesn't like this type of game, so I played it with other people. And that game is Forgotten Waters. This game is so good. It is. It gives you the experience of um, like an RPG, but in a very guided board game grounded way. It has a great app with it. Um, this is what I, they call it like a crossroads game, which I don't know about others of those i think um, but, Ab- i think abomination is kind of a crossroads game too because it has those event cards mm, okay i think so i think that's what the system is i don't know but it's got this big location book that you go through as you move around in the story um everyone is a pirate 
you kind of do like this um, Mad Lib type thing, almost develop your backstory. You're going through and as you're do completing things as as a you new know, adventuring party in some ways as pirates, you also are furthering your own personal stories. So it's like common goal as well as personal goals. Um, and so you can kind of you're, you're trying to get loot. You can be piratey and screw people over. But that won't help you in the long run, really. Um, everyone has a different job on the boat. So when scenarios come up, you're saying, oh, OK, well, I'll take this or I'll do that. And you kind of plan out how you're going to deal with the issue. Um, the app is really cool. It's got nice um, acti voice acting on it. This is from Plaid Hat, um, who I would probably play more of their games. And Jason would not. I'll play, ab um, I'll play Abomination. Yeah, that's it. The art is really nice. Um, it's just it it has like a nice balance between being an RPG where everything is is in like an imaginative space, except for maybe minis in a grid, um, to like kind of moving more towards a board game feel to help ground you a little bit. I. And I, I would play this for hours um, just because it's fun and the scenarios are neat and you've got this kind of ongoing campaign that you're working through, uh, but different stuff is happening. I It's so good. So my number 66 is Forgotten Waters. Yeah, I have absolutely no comment because I haven't played it. I probably won't play it. Um, but I will say the components are cool. I remember looking at it when you guys were playing it and it did look cool. Just not something I want to play. Oh, story-driven game. Heaven forbid. <laughs> And minis and all that stuff. Yeah, well. My number 65. Talking about good games here. My number 65. And you can't give me any crap because you like this game too. It's Camel Up. Camel Up is a great game. It's basically a random dice rolling betting fest where you're trying to figure out which camel is going to win or come in second each round of the race. And you're also trying to figure out which camel is going to lose the whole race when they cross the finish line or who's going to win the whole finish line or the whole race. It's it's super easy. On your turn, you're going to take one action. You may roll the die. You may get the camera if you're playing with the expansions and take some pictures and score some point, score some coins. Uh, you may make a bet on who you think is going to get the first in the, la uh, the, the leg of the race. You're just trying to end the game with the most coins. And if you can do that, you're the winner. Yeah. Uh, if you're playing the base game, it's really straightforward. There's only like four things you can do. You throw in the expansions and it gets a little bit crazier, but you can also play up to 10 people, which is madness as well. So if you like crazy, silly race games, betting, madness, you need to play this one. My number 65, Camel Up. Um, I liked this. I like this 20 games less than you, but it's a good game for sure. My number 65 is a game that I previously swore up and down I hated and would never play again. Since then, I have given, I gave it a second chance and I, I really like it now. And that game is Broom Service. So this is, um, like I think Alexander Feaster actually was. One of the designers. One of the designers. And there's Arby Vincent Dutre, which, you know, he's an, an, an old standard favorite. But in Broom Service, you all have the same cards. And what you're trying to do is is you pro basically program your turn 
from the cards in your hand. And the cards allow you to get potions, to deliver them, um, to move your fairies around, to go kind of banish some They're witches, clouds. not fairies. There, oh, there are some fairies too, though, aren't there? Oh, uh, I guess that's true. Yeah. There's a weather fairy. Thank you. Yeah, you're right. You're right. You're right. There's fairies and witches and, and druids. Calm down. Sorry. I was thinking, this is not fairy service. It's broom service. You can correct me later. Fairies could ride brooms if they wanted to. They got wings. So you're trying to deliver potions, you know, banish clouds, do all these things in order to get points. But you're programming your, your turn and you can be either brave or cowardly as a witch, a druid, or a fairy. The cowardly, if you say you're cowardly, you get a lesser action. If you say you're brave, you only get to take the action if you are the last brave witch, fairy, druid of that particular card that has been played. Correct. And you don't know who's going to play what. And so it's, do I call brave now or not? Also, you may decide, oh, I need to pick up these potions first, and then I'm going to go to this place, and I'm going to go to this place. Well, you're at the mercy of whoever, you know, won the last round, and they may pick the action that you want to do third to do first. Um, I, I just think it's fun. It's one of those kind of thinking what your opponents are thinking, but also trying to play your own game. I'm really bad at this game. But it really is fun. And it's so fun to be like, I'm a I'm a brave mountain fairy. Oh, I'm a cowardly hill druid or whatever. It's silly. It's fun. Um, it's just a good like medium weight game. I really like it. So my number 65, broom service. All right. So yeah, um, my number 64 is a game that I like one space better than you. And it's broom service. Um, every, Didn't see that coming. Everything you said. Um, I, I think the reason that I really like this game is I like that card. The card play is my favorite part of it. It's effectively a pick up and deliver game on the board, but the card play is just, you know, I'm picking five cards or however many I want to play six cards and I need this card to be first. I'm not first. Here you go. Playing some stupid card that I don't want to play first. I want to play it last, but now I got to play it first. I'm not even in that stupid area. It's it's crazy. Like you just it, it's a give and take of I want to go first, but then I don't want to go first because I want to be brave. And if I'm first, someone's going to brave me, and I'm not going to get to do anything. Yeah, it's it's the card play is frustrating. It can get frustrating, but it's real fun, uh, and that's why I like this game in the '60s. So my number sixty-four, Broom Service. There's also these event cards that kind of allow you different ways to get points. Oh, that's true. Yeah, each round. Yep. That you decide if you want to take that instead of some normal actions. And I really like how they kind of change up the the basic game play there. So there's a lot of good stuff going on in this game. Absolutely. So since my number 65 is Brune Service, my number 64 is a game that is so hard. It burns my brain. It would be higher if it weren't so hard. It's also a pick up and deliver game, but in a totally different punishing way. And that game is Mercator. Um, I don't know who designed this. Uh, Uwe. Uwe Rosenberg. Oh, is it Uwe? But you don't feed people. I mean, you kind of do, I guess. Things spoil. You so. f- yeah, you feed them with time. You're giving them time. Yeah, so in Mercator, you are picking up goods and delivering them to other cities. Like, you're fulfilling these orders. The thing is about this is that the good you can pick up in a city is never the good that you need to deliver to the city. Nope, never. Not one time. Never. 
So in order to do that, you have to move cities. And but you want to do everything on your turn and you freaking can't. Um, so you're trying to piggyback off other people's turns, but you're still paying time for that to be able to go on the trip with them. You don't want to spend a bunch of time yourself when you're going places because it's limited. Um, you don't you want to like you don't want to have too many goods because at some point they could spoil. So you got to use them. Um it like has this whole weird like theme of like it's the rise of Hamburg during the after the Thirty Years' War or whatever. There's no, no there's no theme here. No, there's no theme. You're just picking up and delivering. The orders get more complex the further you go along, so you're trying to fulfill like the highest level possible. Um, and the thing is, once you fill an order, it doesn't go away. You choose at some point to like retire an, or- an order and move on to another one. So you could keep fulfilling the same order if you wanted for victory points. Like there's just some really unique things about it. Uh, it's expensive. I don't know if it's out of print. Yeah, we made a trade for ours. Yeah, I don't know how you would get it. Yeah, I'm not sure. All the ones in the geek market are like $75 or higher. Um but it's, it's pick up and deliver, but it's full of really hard choices. You're like, oh, yeah, yeah, I need to go there. And you're like, oh, but I can't deliver there. Dang it. I don't have a contract for there. Ah. Like, it's just, it's frustrating, but really good all at the same time. So number 64 is Mercator. Yeah, I like this game quite a bit. I'll talk about it a little more in an upcoming episode. But yeah, that it's an easy game to play. Like, the rules are easy. You go to a place, you collect some cubes, you fulfill a contract. But doing that is where the brain burningness comes in because there's so many decisions, so many things you need to do and not enough time to do it. Yeah, it's, it's a great game. All right, so my number 63 is another game from Queen, and it is called, uh, yeah, I'll go say, did I say something about Queen? Yes, I did. Uh, so my number 63 is Queen's Architect, and this is a game where you're basically taking on the role of these different builders, And you're trying to move across the land and build buildings. You're trying to get enough favor with the queen so you can make it back to the palace, contribute to the palace, and win the game. So it's kind of a race going around town to build some buildings, score some points, earn some favor. But the way that you're doing it is you have this little player board that's all these different workers that have numbers. They're hexes. They have numbers on each of the corners of the hex. And as you use the builder to fulfill like a contract at a city, the builder's going to get tired. You're going to rotate them. Some of them, however, when they rotate, they get stronger. Like it may go from a two to a four or may go from a two to a zero and then back up to a three. But each time you build, you're going to have to look down at your board and see which color builders you have, how strong they are to see if they can fulfill the contracts necessary. Um, If they get tired, you can go to the inn. They can relax. It'll give them some refreshing goodness. Uh, there's a little more to the game. I've only played it a couple times, but uh, ultimately you're moving your little carriage around trying to build some buildings to earn the most favor to help contribute to the palace to win the game. Um, the The best part of the game is the little player board with the way the hexes move and all that, but that's the thinky part too. But if you like uh, Euros, kind, it's not super heavy. I don't know. I'd say medium plus. And you like Queen Games, you should check this one out. It's, I think we got it for like five bucks when it was on sale. And it's a good $5 game for sure. So my number 63, Queen's Architect. My number 63 is a cooperative game, which 
I like them, but we don't play them that often because that's not our favorite. But this game is so good. It's from our friend. And I mean, I guess I don't know why I call him our friend because I've never met him. But I just feel like I know him. So PDB, Phil Tuberry. Um, the game, my number 63, is Black Orchestra. This game is so good. There is this really great tension that's created in this game because you are members of the Reich. Um, you may be part of the press. You may be part of um, like the military, whatever. But our group has decided that Hitler must die. Um, this is kind of based a little bit around some events, true events, of this plot to assassinate Hitler, um, partially fueled by Dietrich Bonhoeffer, who felt like his his Christian beliefs couldn't allow him to continue with what the Nazi party was doing. Crazy great history behind this. But in this game, um, everyone's got a certain number of action points, I think about three, depending on which member of the conspiracy you're part of, you have um, a special power. And you're trying to work together to move around this map to get the things you need to put together an assassination plot to take out Hitler. Um, he's got to be in the right location. You've got to have the right items. And then you've got to roll to pull it off. Uh, he rises in power at different times. There's events that move around. And the different things that you do can arouse suspicion from the Gestapo. And the Gestapo will throw you in jail. And to get out, it's never easy. It's way um, harder to get out than to get in, that's for sure. Oh, yeah, it's really easy to get in. To get out is rough. Um, and so you're, like, balancing, like, keeping your suspicion low, but you also need to be really um, – have strong convictions in order to pull this off because you're assassinating a world leader. Like, it's it's a big deal. Um, it is great. It is tense. It is winnable. We have won it, I, I'd say, at least twice, and that feels so good. It's never felt so good to kill another person in a game, I think. <laughs> I mean, especially when that other person is Hitler. I mean, Right, right. Cause, and so everyone gets that conviction as you're playing. You're like, yeah, of course we want to assassinate Hitler. Um, it's like the gameplay is pretty easy, but yet it's a difficult thing to do to get all the parts working together, much as an assassination plot would be difficult. Um, and I think that's why this game is so great. I think also for gamers, yes, there is enough happening and you're trying to sort things out that it's got that great um, strategy for you. But also there are plenty of people that I know that are interested in history, especially World War II history, that find this theme so accessible. Um, and the fact that it's co-op then helps you kind of guide them through if they're not a gamer. Um, and they've got three action points and there's just, just some basic actions that you can take moving and collecting items, revealing items, that sort of thing that they're able to play it as well and really enjoy it. Um, so that's why it's my number 63 black orchestra. Yeah. This was my number 80. I like it. It's a great game. Um, it's comes down to like the last move every single time, but man, it's so good. So my number 62 is a game that we've only played once. And we'll never be able to play it again because it's criminally out of print. <laughs> Thank you, Tim. You're the worst. Um, so this game is called Lords of Vegas. And what you're doing in this is you are basically trying to grow the Vegas Strip with hotels of your color. And this is a, a dice game. You're rolling some dice, which is going to determine the strength and the value of your hotel to kind of try to get area con majority at these different blocks. Um, there's some actions you can take, like you can... Um, reconfigure the hotels where you go in and re-roll everything and hopefully maybe it'll bump some people down make you go up you can do some betting at people's hotels and they have to roll a die and you can make them lose a bunch of money 
It's it's all dice driven. It's kind of random, but man, it's so fun. Um, and it costs like a billion dollars now if you want to get a copy, which is sad. Um, there's more to the game. I've only played it the one time, so my description is probably not that great. But it's fantastic. I had a great time. It was a great experience. And I would love to play this game again because it is just really good. So my number 62, Lords of Vegas. Yeah, this actually um, ranked higher for me, I think, because of the experience we had. Since a lot of part of how I rank games is also by the the social aspect of it. So we will revisit. Absolutely. It's not like a million dollars. It's like $120. It might as well be a million dollars. I was thinking about buying it for you for Christmas. If you can find one. For $120. Yeah, I can find one. Oh, that's true. I guess for the right price, you can find anything. That's I was true. like, yeah, I can. I even found one for $90, which is a slight rip in the box. Hey, uh, I mean, keep the box. Just give me the game if you'll knock some money off. <laughs> My number 62 is a game that we have are discussed, I believe. I don't know. I feel like we talked about this. Either you had it on your list or it was in one of our videos. Yeah, it was in my top 100, I thought. This one is of the, the early top videos. 100. Okay. I, I mean, you know what I mean. So it, actually, it was last week. It was 72 for me. There you go. So you've heard us discuss it before. That game is Illimat. Um, as Jason mentioned, this is a card game based on the band, The Decemberists. I know nothing about their music. I know nothing about them. You're not missing much. It's fine. But they developed this game. Um, and it's a card game. You're playing cards into these four different fields that are separated into seasons. And the different seasons allow you to play cards differently. Um, but you're basically trying to match the same number um, of cards in order to collect them. You're wanting to collect um, like card sun, sun, sun cards. You don't want to collect um, like snowflake cards because they'll give you frostbite. Um, you want to empty out fields in order to activate the luminary, 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 <laughs> luminary that, that resides over the field and kind of changes the rules for a little bit. And then you want to end up emptying the field again so you can take that luminary, luminary, dang it, for points. I don't know uh. where that came from. Um, so it's the first 17 points. So you play as many rounds as it takes to get there. And surprisingly, it can take a while to get there because you can get set back. Um, the game it's usually three or four or five rounds. It's not forever. It's but not forever, yeah. no. But there is some fluctuating in score. Like, you may do really well, but that's not always how it shakes out the next round. And um, it's easy gameplay. You know, play a card, draw a card, draw two cards, draw a card. Drop to five every time, whatever it is. Usually it's one card. It's, it's four cards, I think, every time. Yeah. Oh, I thought it was five. You have a hand of four cards, I'm pretty sure. Okay. I think maybe. I don't know. I, I, think it's five. I can never remember how many cards we have. I think it's five, but we'll see. We'll just whatever. That's unimportant. You're drawing cards, playing cards. That's it. But what field can I play in? Did someone take the number I want? Could I possibly stockpile to get extra cards? How do I get these point cards? How would I avoid these other ones? Um can I clear that field before somebody else does to get the points to the Ocus or the Lumiere, Luminary? Dang it. <laughs> what is your deal with Lumiere? I don't know. <laughs> what is that word even? I don't know. A Lumiere. I don't know. Oh, my goodness. Um, but, yeah, being from the Midwest, I tend to really love card games. This has the feel kind of a trick-taking game as you're collecting cards um, and then sussing out your score afterwards. 
it's just fun. It's weird, but it's so enjoyable. Like I would play this. Like it's just one that you can. It's like laid back enough, but with enough challenge that you can just play it over and over again. And um, you know, for uh, I mean, many rounds and like even not even just like several games, even because like, oh, okay, that was pretty good. Now I think I get it. Then you play it again. You're like, okay, I think I get it more now. And you just keep wanting to play it. Um, and it's quirky and not something that everybody has. And uh, it's just a good game. So my number 62 is Illimat. Yeah, I, I've played this game a lot and it gets better every single time. It's It shouldn't be as good as it is. There's no reason it should be as fun as it is, but it's a great game. All right, so my number 61 and the last one I'm going to talk about today is a game that's on our Halloween playlist on YouTube because we did that because it sounded fun. And it is called Bring Out Your Dead. And this is a game that we've had, I don't know, it wasn't one of the first games we had, but we've had it for a while. And what you're doing in this is you are trying to get your dead family members that are in coffins onto the gravedigger's cart so he can take them to one side or the other of the river to bury them in plots to score points. Because when you bury a family member, you get points, just like real life. Um, and the way that this works is everyone has a hand of, I think, five or six cards, all the, all the same cards at the beginning. And on your turn, you're going to pick three of them. And you're going to count down from, I think, the highest number that you can get to is 11 or 12. And if you have that card, you're going to play it. The cards are going to give you a whole bunch of special things you can do. You can maybe put a coffin, a single coffin on the cart, a double coffin on the cart. You can switch the coffin, the cart from one side of the river to the other. You can move out coffins and graves to other graves. A whole bunch of things you can do. And you're ultimately just trying to get more of your coffins on the cart to get them buried, to score points, score some area majority, to win the game. There's some set collection with some green cards that are like gems and jewelry and all that kind of thing that you can do as well to score some extra points or play them during the game when you're counting down numbers to just score some immediate points now. Uh, it's it's a fun game. Rule book's not great, but once somebody knows how to play it, they can just teach everybody else. So I like it. If you have a chance to get it and you've ever been to Ollie's or you know what Ollie's is, they have some. It's like $7. I would say pick it up. It's fun. You're not going to be disappointed. So my number 61 bring out your dead. Yeah, I talked about this one um, in the 90s of my top 100. It's a good game um, made by Upper Deck, which I think is kind of strange. But yeah, it's fun. You can't stop singing, you know, quoting uh, Monty Python or any other various things about burying people. And you want to threaten to chuck relatives into the river because you can't get them buried. That's true. That is pretty enjoyable. Yeah, it's good times. My last game is also a game that was on our Halloween playlist. And that game is The Bloody Inn. Um, this game has cool artwork. It has this really, this fun, creepy, kind of dark comedy theme. Because you are running a hotel, you or an inn, you and the other players. You're trying to get folks into your inn and kill them off, take their money, Um recruit maybe other guests to be your accomplice and then you got to make sure you get rid of the bodies before the police show up that's pretty much the crux of it it's got really neat artwork um there's also an expansion i think called the carnies maybe or something like that yeah carnies yeah um which is also equally creepy the creepiest thing is this is actually based on a real life occurrence like there was an inn that the people who owned it did this which is nuts. And you'd think it would be in Canada, but it really wasn't. It was not in Canada. No one would kill anyone in Canada. Remember, they're That's true. too nice. That's too nice. It, it happened That's in France. 
that's no you'd think it'd be in america but it really wasn't right exactly you definitely think it'd be in america um but the gameplay is really fun it's simple you can only do like one thing on your turn but the fact you can only do one thing makes it a little bit tricky because you can choose to kill off one of the guests but then it's like ooh, what if before my next turn the cops show up and i got this dead body hanging out here oh crap uh so there's there's that tension there um it's got a macabre theme, but I just like that kind of dark comedy feel to it. It's really fun. Um, and I think not talked about enough, but it is a solid game. I haven't played it in a while, and I'd like to get it back out. Um, so my number 61 is The Bloody Inn. Yeah, this is good. I think it's on my list somewhere. I don't know, but I really like this game. It's amazing. And it works at all player counts. I like it at two just because it's faster, but man, it's good at, at all of them. Okay, so that is all of the games for this episode. Jason, why don't you give a, us a rundown of what we covered starting at 70? <laughs> Thanks for mentioning that. Uh, <laughs> so my number 70 is Abyss. My number 69 is Champions of Midgard. My number 68 is Lagranha. My number 67 is Thebes. My number 66 is The Hunger. 65, Camel Up. 64, Broom Service. 63, Queen's Architect. 62, Lords of Vegas. And 61, Bring Out Your Dead. And my number 70 was Shelfie Stacker. 69, Bonfire. 68, Zulkin, The Mayan Calendar. 67, The Godfather, Corleone's Empire. 66, Forgotten Waters. 65, Broom Service. 64, Mercator. 63, Black Orchestra. 62, Illimat. And number 61, The Bloody Inn. So that is our run of the top 100 in our 60s. Again, if you wonder what came before this, check out the previous couple podcasts where we start at 100. Also, if you wonder about games beyond 100, we've got videos out there on YouTube and even Facebook as we're continuing our march from 200 to 100 um, off of the podcast. So I hope that Maybe you're thinking about your own top 100. If so, uh, I'd love to hear about them. We'd love to see it. Definitely post it in hashtag The Riveted or on our Facebook page. Um, if you're not a part of the hashtag The Riveted Facebook group, you should be. Like, I'm not telling you what to do with your social media accounts or whatever, but it's worth getting Facebook just to be a part of the group. Cause, I'll I mean, tell them. If you're not in the the group, you are a loser. There, I said it. That's terrible. We're not judging people for their choices what's wrong you're not i am he's actually not um we talk about games games people have found games we're playing in there um i posted a picture of a 1967 hanna-barbera cartoon i remember watching as a kid called shazam and other people had heard of it i didn't make it up you're so old stop it i didn't watch it in 1967 it was more like (laughs) i would hope not (laughs) 1987 but i did i remembered it because i have this affinity for camels because of kabubi from that show anyway so that's the kind of thing you're missing out on those discussions happen in hashtag the riveted but if you're not into facebook that's fine we love to see your pictures of your games maybe you've got kind of a set of your top five top ten whatever you want to take a picture and show us show us the games you're playing um shout out to us on twitter i don't understand the twitter but Jason does, and he relays messages to me, including, like, I just connected with one of my good friends um, from college, and actually, really from my childhood, because we were in Bible quizzing together. And he's like, oh, yeah, I, you know, I play board games, and I saw your videos, and it was really great. So it was nice to hear from John again. Um, so, yeah, tweet us. Use the hashtag 
board game mechanics top 100 or whatever you want. Like we're about that. And as always, um, our YouTube channel, we've got those videos. I think we're up to like into the 160s of our top 200. Yeah, I think we went into 166. That sounds right. Uh, so we do Facebook Live. Those are probably even more relaxed and more okay-ish than the podcast because we yeah. don't edit those. There's no pretty okay there. They're just okay. Yeah. Uh, but feel free to check those out. As always, Jason is putting up tons of reviews um, from games that come in and even games from our own collection that we think, hey, maybe someone wants to see a video about this. I keep thinking about and teasing the fact that, oh, yeah, I should do a video series, but... Being on video makes me want to wear a paper bag over my head. So I haven't done it yet, but I'm thinking about it. Maybe I'll get a selfie stick for Christmas and I can make my own videos. I don't know. Probably not. I mean, you are on the top 200 videos, so that is something. That's true. That's true. I'm in those. You you can see me. Like, I fidget constantly throughout the videos because I don't like to be on, on video for some reason. I just don't like that. Yeah. But I'm trying. I'm trying for you. Although maybe no one wants to see me. That's the other thing. Um, but definitely check out the videos. Leave comments. Um, and a, a lot of people actually, I know, listen to the podcast through our through YouTube. And I think that's awesome. So we'd love to hear your responses. What are your top 100 games? Um, do you agree with some of our, our positions for games? Or did we talk about a game you never heard before, hit or heard of before? Or that you're like, hey, uh, that sounds pretty cool. I'm going to check it out. I think that that's one of the best things about being in a community of board gamers is finding new games, getting great recommendations from other people um, as a way to almost try before you buy. Because I think that that can be a problem in the industry is that it's like, oh, well, I guess I'll just go and buy this game. Or some games are so expensive and you're like, is it really worth it? And so I hope that we can share knowledge and get that from you as well to find new and fun games to enjoy together as community, as families, all of that. So, yep, check us out on social media for sure. And as always, if we're going to talk about recommendations, check out Board Game Rundown. They have an okay show, Dan, Tim, Spencer, and Bob, except for Dan. Um, They have a podcast on video. They do topics. They do unboxings, reviews, whatever. If you want to see more stuff that we don't cover, go check them out. They have plenty of videos that of games that we will never, ever look at just because they're terrible games. But you might be into those <laughs> terrible games. I'm not, but go check them out if you're interested. If you like games with miniatures and maybe World Resolve yeah, Combat. Ter- and terrible games. Yeah, I said that. <laughs> fighting, story-driven games. They willingly cover those at that channel. And so, yeah, I think that because of that, obviously there is room for all of us at the board gaming table. And it's nice to be able to see different kinds of stuff. So check those guys out. They're all great, except for Dan. Okay, I just had to throw that in. It makes me feel good. <laughs> I haven't seen him in person in a while, so it's nice to get a couple jabs in when I can. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> All right, well, I, I think that's it for this episode. It's been long enough, and the editing has and will be arduous for Jason, I am sure. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm shaking off the lazy pants and putting on real pants. I gotta do what I gotta do. You never wear real pants. You work at home. That's true. You're not wrong. <laughs> All right, well, I've been Katie. And I'm Jason. Keep gaming, everybody. Keep gaming.